You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. We're going to end up in the book of Revelation at the end of this thing, talking about one of those seven churches. But I want to invite to the stage, Mr. David, you can go ahead and make your way up here. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Mr. David Hyde, in the middle of this COVID, had a major, and when I say major, I mean major heart attack. And it was a very, very uh, concerning uh, moment for many people and his loved ones. And the fact that he's even here walking is nothing short of miraculous. But will you guys do me a favor, welcome Mr. David as we get ready to dive into this. Mr. David, grab a seat. So me and Mr. David had a chance uh, after this massive heart attack, and I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, talking about his story. I'm going to let him tell his story uh, about what's going on and, and the fact that there was one word that God put on his heart. But before we dive into it, can we pray? Lord, I thank you so much for every single thing that you are about to do. From the message that's about to be revealed, through the way that you speak to your people, through the way that you move and motivate. Lord, I am so thankful that you are still in the business of doing the miraculous. Lord, thank you for everything that's already taken place in this, this place today. Thank you for the lives that have been changed over Serve Day weekend. But more importantly, will you help us to lean into you? Will you help us to lean through the story and see you and everything that's about to take place and to leave here motivated to do something differently? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, before we get to the medical emergency, Mr. David, if you don't mind, will you tell people a little bit of your background, life prior to this medical emergency? I will. Uh, May I say something? Yes. First of all, church... I want to thank you all. Mickey said, storm the throat. You all did. I believe that's got a big bearing on why I'm here now. I thank every one of you who went to prayer for me, who went to war for me. I give thanks to each one of you, humbly. Thank you. Each and all. Well, it was our, our privilege, obviously, because when we said storm the throne, we did make a commitment. We said, if we will storm the throne, and David will tell you this, after he was going through this, and I told Miss Gwen, and I told some of his family members, we're going to do our dead level best to do everything we can to give God the glory for what he did. So do me a favor, make sure we hold that mic up close because people online are going to want to hear everything. So tell us a little bit about life prior to this medical emergency happened a few months ago uh i was uh i was a foster child and i was uh i was saved at about the age of eight or nine uh, came in i went to a little missionary church came into my house where i lived and i was walking about two feet off the floor i was really really elated with the fact that i'd found salvation there was a person in authority in this house that told me that I, I was too young. I was too young to know God. I was too young to know salvation. Uh, and that planted a seed of doubt for a good portion of my life. Now, Mr. David, when we talked earlier, 
you had made the comment that, that the aspect of, because of being a, a foster child and, and, and the struggle you had with rejection and then this concept that there was a God that was going to accept you for where you were. T tell us a little bit about that. How, how did that, at, at nine years old, how did that play out? Was that a hard thing to grasp? Was it something that took a while? That was a very easy thing to grasp. Uh, a, a child wants acceptance. A child wants to belong. And at nine years old, that was a great thing. It was a thing that was uh, as big as anything else had ever been in my life. Uh, my biggest concern then was to please God and to learn how to please God. But uh, that kind of got stalled and put on hold for a little while because of the doubts. So you had this moment where you went to a service, I believe, yes. and you, yes. you, the Spirit had convicted you, and you felt definitely called, and felt like you received Christ your Lord and Savior, and you come home, and, and listen to this, maybe this is somebody here. And you're, you know that God's doing something in your life. The problem is the people around you didn't. And immediately these earthly people that were put in authority in your life were telling you what you knew was true that it wasn't. What you knew was real was fake. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever walked in faith and knew that God was speaking to them and wanted you to do something and you go to share that just to have somebody say, no, no, God doesn't do that. No, 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 you're using your faith as a crutch. Oh, no, 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 you're using this relationship with Jesus like God doesn't really do that anymore. Well, we've been dealing with doubt for several years, and a few months ago, tell me what took place. Uh, we're talking about the illness. Now. Yes. Uh, I was actually putting up a shelf in a closet, and uh, I felt a, a, a pain, a, a very hot pain in the center of my chest, and suddenly it shot down under both arms and right down into my fingers. Uh, became very, very difficult to breathe. So I got on the phone and I started calling people. And I called, uh, called my son, then I called uh, Gwen, and uh, people started coming. And uh, the, uh, the EMTs, paramedics came. Uh, I was in, uh, I was actively having a heart attack. Uh, I was placed in the ambulance and was transported to the hospital. Uh, airlifted to Erlanger. Uh, as I'm told, things get a little fuzzy about them. As I'm told, I coded once in the elevator of the hospital and once again on the cath lab table. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with code means your heart stops and you stop breathing. Um, this, uh, this I don't remember very well, but there was, uh, there was a time where I became instantly conscious. The, the medications and everything had worn off at that point and, that they had been giving me. And so I remember vividly what was taking place at that point. Now, you mentioned to me that, that they, because you had coded, they had to use the paddles on you? Yes. Do you remember how many times, or did somebody tell you how many times they used the paddles on you? I was told 12. 12. And so, and so here's, here's the part that I want you to hear, because we're not really here to talk about the heart attack. We're not really here to talk about the coding. We're not really here to talk about how many times they use the paddle. We, we are thankful, if you're in the medical field, we are thankful 
for, for the medical personnel. Uh, we are thankful for everything that they did. But obviously, there was a lot that was going on. Uh, what David didn't realize that in these moments, uh, Miss Gwen and some of their, his family had gotten a hold of us from some of you guys. We, I actually just felt God calling us to put it out on our realm to, to everybody. It wasn't just to our prayer team. We just were calling everybody to start praying, and you guys started doing that. And, and in the middle of, of this is the part that I, I hope I explain this well, Mr. David, and if not, you can please correct me. That though people were, were there, he was still consciously understanding everything that was going on. And he was hearing what people are saying. Correct. And he's hearing what these doctors are saying. He, he's hearing, I, I wrote in my notes, he was hearing them say, you're losing him. And he's coding in and out. He's being revived with patterns. Correct. And in that moment, God gave him one word. One word. I'm not here. Mr. David's not here. Listen, we are just telling you the story. You will have to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We just want to tell you the story. So don't, don't overthink. what We're just telling you the real, true story of what was taking place. So in and out of consciousness, on the steps at the doorway of death, being coded with paddles all these times, there was one word. Mr. David, what was that one word? That one, that one word was repent. Repent. It wasn't a human voice. It wasn't a voice that I could even say that I'd, I would recognize at all. This was a voice that came to me and it echoed in my brain. Folks, I was on the table. My body was a weight. It was dead weight. There was no air going into my lungs. My brain is the only thing that's functioning right now at this point. I thought I was dead. I thought my life was over. I thought this is how you go on this cold steel table. And then God said, somebody said, I got the word, repent, repent. Repent, and it echoed in my head just like that. And I repented. And I knew at that very moment I got hit with the paddles one more time, and it was the, it was the ultimate jolt. At that time, I felt the air come back in my lungs. I could feel my fingers burning and tingling again. I could feel my feet hit the table. And I knew, I knew God was going to let me live one more day. And he's let me live a lot more days since. Each day is a gift. Each day is a gift. So just, just to make sure, just to make sure, so I don't want you to miss this. He's on the table. Struggling. How's that for an understatement? And the word that God's put in his mind 
Now, I can, I can take you to Scripture. You know what Scripture says? It says it's the renewing of your mind. Do you know where a lot of faith starts? We always talk about receiving Jesus into your heart, but do you know where it starts before you ever receive him into your heart? Throughout Scripture, you know where God always shows up first? Your mind. In fact, Scripture will say it's the renewing of the mind that is the key. And in his mind, in his mental capability, he has someone, something, I will say it. I believe God was speaking to you. Repent. So do I. And in that moment when he mentally repented, he got hit with the paddles. He feels breath re-enter his body. He feels sensations in his hands and his feet. He, he literally, what I would describe, now I'm not a medical doctor. I did sleep at a Holiday Inn Express one time. But I'm not a medical doctor. The guy will make them laugh. They're taking Absolutely. this way too serious. He lived, guys. He didn't die. This isn't a funeral. All right, yes. This is a great story. This isn't a heavy story. But what I can only describe from what him and I have talked about is life re-entering his body. What he described to me is what I would call if, if somebody was, if God was to put life back into a dead body. But it started with repentance. Man. Yes. Folks, I'd spent the better part of my life being two things, and that is arrogant and ignorant. I ignored God when God would call on me, and he had. He had tried to quicken my spirit more than once, and I would deny him. I was also arrogant. I said, I don't need to be any closer to God than what I am. I don't need, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. Folks, I wasn't fine. I wasn't nowhere near fine. When I came off that table and when I regained consciousness for the first time, for the first time after this whole ordeal, there was a, there was a word that came to me. And that was God said, I am a jealous God. I will claim my own. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. Didn't have to have parents. I've got a heavenly father. I belong to something bigger than myself. And that was a thought that came to me. I'm, I belong to something bigger than myself. I had to rededicate my life to God. I had to go back to God and start all over again. And nothing has been the same since. I don't think the same. I don't feel the same. I don't act the same. Thank God. Thank God. He has been, he is my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. I am redeemed. I've been called back and given another chance. Thank God. Thank God for that. Thank Jesus. Absolutely. Mr. David, you'd say when we met, you know, we spent two times at your house. Uh, one, I, I came over there not soon after you go home because I couldn't believe it. That's one thing. It's like, they, they, people lying to me. They say David's home when they go here to make sure he's home. Uh, but the other one is just to talk through today. You said something in that, that we, we had a very long conversation, uh, just preparing and praying through. And, and one of the things that you said that, that really stuck to me is you said you were on a table 
with a dying heart and woke up with a repentant heart. Absolutely. Did you guys catch that? Laying on a table with a dying heart. And I woke up with a repentant heart. And I, and I want you to catch this. Notice he didn't say, I didn't wake up with a living heart. I didn't wake up with a great heart. In fact, we're still praying for Mr. David because we have some more things coming. Now, the doctors are a little bit confused, obviously, and, and things keep going good, but we're going to keep praying. We have some more procedures possibly in the future. But notice where, where breath, where life lives. Like, if I can't get you to hear anything from this story today, I want you to hear this. Repentance is not a bad word. Like in church life, I don't know when and where we made repentance to be this huge negative, like, oh, man, I don't want to, like, if I repent, I got to give a bunch of stuff up. Absolutely not. The reality is, is if you repent, you're going to have to receive a bunch of stuff from the Lord. That's the truth. Repentance is not you giving a bunch of stuff up. Repentance is you receiving a bunch of stuff from the Lord. And when you receive those things from the Lord, you're going to be surprised when you start looking at your life. Mr. David could testify to this. You say, you know, I ain't got enough room for all this. I got to get rid of some of this. You know what you end up getting rid of? All that trash that you were repenting of. Because you're like, you know, when it's all said and done, I can have a dying heart or I can have a repenting heart. I can have addiction or I can have freedom. I can have poor relationships or I can have healthy relationships. I can have anger and anxiety and frustration and arrogance, or I can have meekness and humbleness. And all of a sudden, it's not that repentance means, hey, you know what? I've got to change immediately. No, you just have to let God start putting his things in you. I think last week we put it this way. You can't sow works of the flesh and expect fruits of the Spirit. Well, guess what? As God starts pouring those fruits out in your life, all of a sudden you're going to realize you ain't got but, but so much you can fit in this life. Like for some of us in this room, I, I'm not, I'm not, we'll talk about us, Mr. David. All right. All right. Not them, because they're a lot better than us. I agree. We look better than them, though. Uh. <laughs> but, you know, you hit a point where you say, you know, you're talking about this change. What are, what are the doctors, like, what was their response? What did, what did they say, like, when they're coming back in the room and, you know, and, and, and family members and, and Miss Gwen and, 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 and former co-workers and, and friends. And, like, what is their response? Uh, when, I, when I woke up in ICU and there's tubes and there's hoses and there's everything, I'm plumbed. I mean, I, I have stuff everywhere. And I wake up and there's a doctor and he's, like, right here in my face. And he, he bends, he's, he's bent over and he, he's talking to me and he says, I did everything I could for you just as I would my own family. And I look around the room, and there's four more cardiologists standing there. I'm sorry, three more cardiologists. And I have four heart doctors that are all going, yeah, yeah, you should not be here. You should be gone. You should not be here. That was a revelation. I tried to, like I say, tubes and hoses, I couldn't speak. And so I just tried to sign to him, thank you. And as I did, he looked, he looked away really quick, and he was gone. 
and the other three, they're, they're nodding as they go out the door. Uh, the nurses after this, they're, they're amazed that I'm doing as well as I am. Physical therapy comes in one morning, and they tell me, they say, we're going to walk. I say, okay, let's walk. So we got up, and I was able to go about 50 feet with a walker before I had to sit down. The next morning, she came in. I jumped up on the side of the bed. She said, you ready to walk? I said, hold the back of my gown. She kept telling me, slow down. Slow down. I walked 500 feet, turned around, and came back to my room. One day, one day, she said, you're on your way out of here. And I said, hallelujah. <laughs> but listen, I want you to catch this. Like, there's so much, there's so much that's there. Like, if you're not careful, you're, you're going to miss what God is trying to tell every one of us. In one day, a whole lot can change. Some of you, are, you're in a battle. You feel wore out. You feel like if I can just get to 50 feet, listen to me. If that's all you got, get to 50. But don't be surprised with God that tomorrow you don't go to 500. Like, like sometimes we, we let people, his first thing, somebody in that foster home that started to try to tell him what was real that wasn't real. We have a tendency to allow earthly people to define heavenly things. And they're not the definer of that. There's only one person, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, that can define heavenly things. We are not saying the doctors were phenomenal. They did amazing things. But I think that if every one of them was to line up, no matter where their faith was, they would tell you there was something bigger that intervened in this situation. And I think for some of us in this room, what we have to understand is that you've got to quit listening to everybody in this world and start listening to somebody that created this world. Like, why would we set our, our, our limit to be the people that the only power they have is earthly power. Like if we have access, talk about 21 days of prayer, if we have access to the creator of the world to be able to communicate with him and then communicate back with us, to take us on a journey for 21 days, and you're going to tell me, but Mickey, I just don't know if I can do 21 days. Dude, are you serious? <laughs> you can't give 21 days? My, my life's busy. Well, hey, he can make it not busy. Amen. God is a jealous God. Now, don't mishear me. I don't think that God's no. up there going, well, you know what? About time for me to get Mr. David. No. I don't think that's the way no. it happens. Now, if I was God, now, that would be the way it happened. I'd be like, you'd be glad I'm not God. I'd be like, oh, I, I saw that. You know, oh, you're not going to be, oh, you're going to try to use me like a celestial genie? I, I mean, I, it'd be terrible for everybody. But I love the statement when he said that people are looking at him saying, you shouldn't be here. There was a time that uh, an incident happened while I was in the hospital. 
and uh, they were talking about weaning me off of the vent tube and, and all this. Well, when this incident happened, uh, I, I, I extubated myself. I pulled the tubes out myself. And here comes the nurses, and here comes the doctors, and they're like, ah. The doctor walks in, and he looks at me, and he looks at my, my O2 sat, my, my oxygen saturation, and he says, he's sitting at 99. Leave this guy alone. Leave this guy alone. So he's good. He doesn't need the tubes anymore. Boy, was I glad. Listen to me. Here's where we're sitting. Here's the story that Mr. David's unfolding to us. You know, just like people said he shouldn't be here, you know what? There are people in your life that if you were to tell them you were sitting in a church service right now, they'd be like, what, what, who are you talking about? That guy, I went to school with that guy. He shouldn't be there. There's a lot of people that are telling you where you are in life, you shouldn't be there. There's a lot of people trying to tell you things that you need to be a part of your life, to be life-supportive. Meanwhile, God's up there saying, man, leave my people alone. They're good. They don't need that stuff. They don't need to smoke that. They don't need to drink that. They don't need to have that. Like, I can be a God that takes them off of life support because I am the giver of life. And I can take them to a point where not they're self-sustaining, but I am sustaining them. But boy, do we get consumed with machines. You guys give Mr. David a hand. Thank you so much. Yes, you can say whatever you want to, bro. Church, if there is even the smallest thing standing between you and God, give that thing to God. Give that thing to God. If there's a whole bunch of things, give them up. He tells us that if you're weak and you're heavy laden, give me your burdens. Give God your burdens. Give God those things that are separating you from him. Makes all the difference in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's actually so much more there. I encourage you to go talk to Mr. David and ask him about the golf cart ride with his grandson. You say, well, why didn't you tell us that? Because I, you need to go listen to the story. Mr. David has plenty of time during the day right now. He's always looking for a visitor. Some of you guys just need to get a name and a number and say, hey, what are you doing Tuesday? Can I bring some healthy choices for your heart and come sit down? I, I, got, I mean, I got some questions I want to know about the golf cart. I want to know about the grandson. I want to know about how you're telling people. I want to know what's going on. Like, how in the world do you go from where you were to sitting up here on stage? And, you know, I mean, you don't, this ain't easy, being vulnerable. But the reality is, is, is when you truly experience repentance, it has a way of changing us. See, can I, can I define repentance for a minute? You, you've probably heard this before, but repentance is a very simple concept. It's a point of you're going in a direction, and at some point when you repent, you say, you know what? The direction that I'm going is not what I want it to be. I'm going to stop. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away, and I'm going to go a different direction. You know what the biggest issue in a lot of people's lives when it comes to relationship with God? 
You want to walk your life and say, God, I love you. I want you to be a part of my life. Come on, join me. And you want to keep walking your way. And God's saying, listen, I am God, so I can do whatever I want, so I can dwell in my people, but just as long as you keep walking your way, I can give you my way. I need you to, to repent. I need you to turn away. Somebody's going to be sitting out there going, oh, here we go. And it turns into this legalistic, like you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. Listen to me. I ain't telling you you ain't got to do nothing. The only thing I'm going to tell you is, so you like what you're getting? Keep walking that way. I've joked around this a million times from this stage. You're the biggest idiot in the world if you think you can keep doing what you've always done and expect something different. Like it's the definition of insanity. At some point, if you're tired of getting what you're getting, then quit doing what you're doing. Repent. Turn. And pursue him. I have found in my life, I'm not going to talk about you, I'll talk about me. I have found in my life that this is normally what it looks like. I'm doing my thing and I'm, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. And I, and I start going and all of a sudden things get good because God's good. But you know what I do when things get good? Man, I start trying, man, I start trying to do my own thing again a little bit. And I got to wake up. That's what 21 days of prayer is about. It's like, whoa, whoa, oh, man, what? I don't know what I, Lord, I'm sorry. I, and my relationship with God is a whole lot of I love you, I'm sorry, I'll keep coming back. In fact, one of the things that I had here is he said God was saying, come here, come back. That was David's words when the word repent came into his mind. He felt like God was saying, God was saying, come here, come back. You know, there's a church that's in the book of Revelations. It's talking about seven different churches. But one of the churches, it really kind of describes this aspect of repentance. You'll see a scripture on the screen. It's in Revelations. Revelations chapter 2. Starting in verse 4. But I have this against you. And this is the church at Ephesus. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Some translations will say you have lost your first love. But listen to what it tells them. Remember. There's that mind. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did first. You know, the reality of it is, today's a day of repentance. The scripture says today's a day of salvation. It is. But for a lot of us in this room, the reality is today's a day of repentance because you've heard from a first-hand basis. Like, like if I, think, think about, like, I don't know if you just realize what just happened. We're getting close to being three years old as a church. And in less than three years, God has enabled a large group of people to come into knowing him better, finding freedom, discovering their purpose in order to go make a difference. And in the last 24 hours, we have served literally hundreds of people who are underprivileged or financially struggling with free goods. We've given 110 backpacks and supplies to people in need. We've watched a Crossroads Worship launch and debut a brand new single that's all about being known by God. And we've listened to a dead man who's living tell a story about where it all starts with repentance. 
Like, I would take that 50 years into this. Like, this is a good weekend. But you could miss it. You could miss it. You could miss it with the one word that Mr. David talked about that was questioned to him when he came in that foster home. Doubt. You know, God really didn't want that for you. You ever heard yourself talking to you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, mental issues of the pastor. You ever have yourself talk to yourself? Am I the only person in the room? For those of you that are giggling, thank you. It makes me feel like I'm not the only person. Like, I mean, I've joked around about it. Me and Miss Marcy have talked about this before. Like, if you guys knew some of the stuff that was in my head when I'm up on this stage, like, I don't ever understand why I'm the one here. I feel inadequate. I, don't even, I mean, I don't understand it. But it, it, it's really spiritual warfare is what it is. And right now, the things you're wrestling against in your spirit, like, I can just look at these faces. I can tell you. I get it, man. Right now, it's like, man, I don't, man, right now, I'm, man, I, like, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, this, this is striking a chord. I don't know. Scripture says you, you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. It's spiritual warfare. And I think now more than ever is a time for us to, as Scripture says, lean in. Scripture says if you will lean into God, he will lean into you. But it's going to start with, with repentance. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.